Hey there, Sean. Hey, Pierce. How's it going? It's pretty okay. All right. That means it's time for another episode of the It's Pretty Okay podcast. Let's do it. Let's start the show. So, a while back, you and I, Pierce, did an episode where we rewatched The Suitcase. Probably mm-hmm. the iconic episode of Mad Men. And, um, and iconic. They have they have quite a few, but that one. So you might, you might sure. like the carousel, but it's up there. I mean, I've, I think it's, I think there is some, at least, some consensus that The Suitcase is the pinnacle. You know, it was... I think we chose it in part because it was named at the time. It was named in the Ringers top hundred episodes of TV so far this century, and it was like in the top five. Um, but uh, you know, we did that. I think in part because we were looking for a topic on a week that Max wasn't with us, and yep. uh, it goes. You, me, Max, certainly in descending levels of Mad Men scholarship. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we are flipping that order on its head this week uh, because Max is here, which means we have our resident Seinfeld expert. Yeah. And so it's not it's not particularly timely, uh, but... <laughs> well, it depends how you define well, timely. <laughs> You know, this, what I mean by that is this episode of Seinfeld hasn't been, you know, back in the news or in the cultural conversation necessarily. Uh, but we all rewatched The Limo. Yes. So. Which is, according to Max's list, what number rated Seinfeld episode? <laughs> Uh, the one list I found had it as number 67 overall. Which website were you on for that? Oh, I some website I've never heard of. I don't uh, know. Okay. So, so I was should... literally just looking for a definitive list that I would recognize the title so I could pick one. Let's keep in mind, though, that that basically, that still makes it roughly a top third Seinfeld episode. Because that show Fair. ran as a broadcast sitcom for nine seasons. So. Yeah. It had nigh on 200 episodes. That is true. So, still a pretty good one. Uh, but I, I would I would be inclined to agree uh, with that being too low. So, mm-hmm. who who wants to who wants to start us with sort of a rough recap of what happens in the limo? Uh, well, first off, there is there is a which I guess. A very '90s thing, but these these interspices of of Jerry telling jokes. Uh, what? So, I, and I think you'll get a lot of the episode here. One of them is about the prices of airport foods. The other, at the end, is about the different types of Nazi salutes in World War II movies. Whoever would have guessed that this move wouldn't have worked on Mulaney? Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, since I just watched the episode for the first time, and I'm not the, the, the Seinfeld scholar, I think that very broadly there is a, a situation that, that occurs, namely that they know that, that somebody is not going to be using their limo. 
uh, it, because they were they missed the flight or couldn't be on the flight. So Jerry and, and George decide that they hatch a, a plan that um, uh, they're going to use the limo because no one that person isn't going to be there to us use it. And George's very words in in why not do it is quote they can't kill us, which let me tell you they almost do. <laughs> um, yes. So, so I, I think I think Max, uh, you might want to explain that that uh, so they're in the limo and kind of getting used to how a limo works, and they're very excited, and they realize they have two, two, four passes to something at Madison Square Garden, and like, oh, Knicks Bulls game, which I had parenthetically, wow, half times has changed, people getting excited for Knicks Bulls games, uh, and. Uh, <laughs> And so they're getting excited and they think they're going to invite uh, Elaine and, and Kramer to join them for the Knicks-Bulls game. But actually they, they go off and they, they pick up two counterparts who are very into the person that – the persona that George has overtaken. Um, Max, do you want to detail what what in particular is appealing to them about George or, or as it happens here, O'Brien? So uh, George um... – they they decide to lie to the limo driver and say that they are the 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 famed O'Brien because he's holding a sign that says O'Brien. Um, O'Brien in real life is a um, semi-anonymous leader of the Aryan Nation and famous author whom no one knows what he looks like in real life. Uh, he is arriving in Madison Square Garden or the theater across the street to make his first public appearance as the leader of the Aryan Nation and give a speech. Mm. uh as such mm. yeah yes so the the two in the car uh peter kraus and i'm not sure who that actress is i'm not um, either but man peter kraus cool for for us parenthood heads yeah seinfeld has a lot of great cameos of of actors and you know yeah for that, that former... always, so you'll be watching old episodes and you'll see you know john michael higgins playing the boyfriend and it's like oh how the mighty have fallen <laughs> yeah I, I mean former former uh subject of of one of these uh show watchings uh uh brian cranston is is very famously on on seinfeld for i, I believe a few episodes it's more the than Dennis one right to the stars tim watley yeah. Yeah, yeah and uh bizarro jerry uh is tim decay who was the star of uh white collar a show that i'm pretty sure neither of you ever watched but i watched all of <laughs> Oh, I watched I had... a good amount of that show. Oh, wow. nice. It's Maybe like I... the blacklist that you don't have to pay attention to, and you don't have to pay attention to the blacklist. Right. Maybe we'll... <laughs> oh, man, I watched the blacklist, too. Maybe we'll we'll do a pod about Mozzie sometime, just you and me. Oh, that uh, would be enjoyable. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, so anyways, yeah. So, this, uh, I think in, from what, I've underst- what I understand of Seinfeld, which is a, you know, nominally a show that doesn't doesn't have a lot of plot but there is a situation which seems like things will go well in but of course they all go wrong in expected in in unexpected ways you know that that if you take you use someone's limo yeah you might not get killed you might almost get killed in this situation uh but it probably won't go you probably won't be able to keep the lie straight and everything else so there's there's a nice aesopian uh kind of moral there but it's the unexpected ways that make the show funny because you can relate but it's also not too close for comfort and i think that's what's nice here it's like i'm never going to get in a limo and be mistaken for a a white nationalist or anything uh but 
but you, so it, it makes it feel better, but you can still imagine yourself completely screwing that up uh, when you when you try to take advantage of, of a situation where you think, oh, there's no, you know, there, there's nothing that can go wrong. Even if your bar is as low as they can't kill us. Yeah. So one of the things that I noticed uh, when I when I watched this this episode uh, and I, I recognize it as a pattern from many Seinfeld episodes is that, uh, as you said, there's a situation and the core characters decide that they're going to try to take advantage of the situation in a way that benefits them, only to have it ultimately backfire on them. And that is really, it's become the blueprint, you know, that was the foundation that several other shows have been built on the one that i couldn't get out of my head was it's always sunny in philadelphia which is basically this but taken to a higher extreme and and the the guns are in the hand of crazed lunatic danny devito um but there there's a moment where in particular jerry says some he he realizes that they're in over their head uh, their collective head and is like i don't want to be murphy anymore he's portraying the you know the accomplice and that felt like a rare that felt very much like a rare occurrence to me in seinfeld of of him or or any of them really r- kind of realizing that what they're doing is wrong I- am i wrong max yeah that's an interesting take but i no, i think you're right about that um yeah it, so, it kind of takes you out of the story for a second, and, and they it's, it's almost the seriousness of the of the situation they're in, which is rare. I think a lot of Seinfeld episodes are, are known for being about kind of nothing, and even if there is a plot, the plot's not really that sure part of that much of the story. And this episode is actually kind of more driven by some important plot aspects, mm-hmm. and that yeah, it's interesting that that he kind of takes himself out of that for a second but things then go back off the rails when uh when they try to bring kramer and elaine into the situation because they think they have passes and a limo to take them to the nick game and then when kramer and elaine are waiting for the limo to pick them up they hear from some guy that elaine knows uh that there's this guy O'Brien who's coming to give, you know, a neo-Nazi speech and they've already heard, they know that he's coming in a limo to Madison square garden and, uh, Kramer decides that obviously, obviously what's happening is that Jerry Seinfeld is actually O'Brien, the leader of the Aryan union and so, like, it goes, it is serious, and then it becomes kind of delightfully silly and stupid again. Yeah, and that's, uh, you know, t- taking things literally, taking th- them seriously. Uh, given the nature of the Kramer character, um, you 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 really can't, you can't do either. He takes these things, and even though he's, well, 
he's he's not correct. He's he's correct in kind of a, a half a halfway way. But you're like, oh, this is this is the comic relief character. So if you're if you're viewing it in that you know on that street or basically if you're in listening distance, it's like, oh, of course this can't be. But you know that that also underlines how how harebrained this this whole thing, which is kind of a weird phrase to use for Kramer, given his his follicular uh, <laughs> uh, you know capacity. Um, it, it it just it it adds to the like how crazy it is but 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 still um i think to your your point earlier of um you know this stepping away and being like no this is wrong i think that the situation as it evolved it is wrong i don't know that we've made a judgment on taking someone's limo that they weren't going to use anyways i mean it's there for the taking if if you end up uh posing as a neo-nazi's accomplice like yeah that's that's not great that's the problem the stepping out but so the craziness of the situation Mm. is bad but maybe we've not made a judgment on uh you know using something that was someone else's right so i want to shift gears just a bit and and note that for all of its hair-brainedness you know there are, are certainly some parallels to to life today you know mike you know kramer as you noted before we started recording max kramer uh thinking that someone else was a a horrible racist is kind of on the nose given what michael richards who played kramer would do at the laugh factory 14 years later uh and and say you know of all the words if there's one word you're never supposed to say uh, that one over and over and over again. Um, I think it's kind of funny that O'Brien is coming from Chicago because uh, Illinois had this guy, uh, I, I don't remember what his name is, uh, but who ran who ran for a congressional seat on a, an open neo-Nazi platform and like gave interviews on CNN where he talked about you know the the horrible jews and 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 all of that stuff it was just, it was vile mm-hmm. um and pierce you noted what is like the first thing you see after that the initial f- airplane bit the first image you see after talking about the the airport prices is you see a couple uh 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 trump planes um, that is the very first image in the episode, which there's some tremendous irony there, obviously, in, in, in this moment as, as recording in this extended moment in, in life. And so, you know, you, you're seeing these pro- <laughs> protests of, of people getting excited, uh, or excited is the wrong word. You have the very excited people in the car who are, mind you, we, we haven't gotten this. The people in the car who are excited for O'Brien are both carrying handguns, um, which is, you know, un- unsettling. Uh, and then they're having, when they arrived Madison Square Garden, there are protesters. They're protesting the, the gross, um, racism and anti-Semitism and, and white nationalism there. So, uh, you know, Max, you, you suggested watching this, this episode and I didn't really have a lot of thoughts coming into it except it's, you know, I could kind of think, oh, it's a limo. They're probably going to take advantage of the most. Something's going to go wrong, but I didn't understand or I didn't anticipate this kind of flavor of it which you know at the very end of the episode it's played off as funny because george has underneath him you know that he's o'brien and there's some ridiculousness in that when you're watching the episode where it's like 
you know, that's, that's not a problem. Like, you know, we're, you know, it's, it's the nineties. We're all, we're all doing well, like blah, blah, blah. But the fact of the matter is today it's, I, I think it's a lot less funny than it probably was when it aired and not in the normal way that things age because, you know, in the normal way things age is it's just kind of like an insensitivity that, that now we've gotten more aware of it. And, and, maybe and a lot of Seinfeld could... episodes are oh. like that too. Yeah. Yeah. I purposely is... didn't want to pick an episode that aged ex- especially poorly. And I think yeah. I did a decent job in that sense. Yeah. In, in some ways this, this becomes more, even though it's played in an absurd manner, it's, it's, it hits very close to home. I mean, we, we know well being, you know, people who went to UVA that this can be right in your backyard, this type of, you know, demonstration. And, uh, you know, it's not funny when you put that below someone on the screen because they're interviewing them on CNN and and MSNBC daily. Right. It's really less irony than it is just incredible 25 year foreshadowing. Yeah. When when did this episode? It was season three. I don't know when it actually aired. I I just looked it up. It was I, I looked it up because I was curious. Ninety two. Yep, ninety two. Uh, I was curious about wow. the basketball context. It was January ninety two, February ninety two, late February. It was one of the years that the Bulls won the championship. Michael Jordan was the MVP. He was the top scorer. Uh, it was the year they played the Trailblazers in the finals, and he just ripped their heart out. And I think that's I think that's who he did the shrug against, right? Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Yes. So it was that season. So like really at the peak of his powers, like you would very much want to get in on passes <laughs> to see Nick's Bulls. And yeah. there and there is a very amusing scene where Kramer is explaining while they're so so they tell Kramer and Elaine to wait uh, at the corner and then they'll get in the limo and they pick them up. So Kramer and Elaine are waiting. And I should note that a lot of people say that most Seinfeld episodes are in the 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 problems within them could be solved by cell phones <laughs> which is amusing um ironically and we'll get to that later but this episode sort of is solved by a phone call but yes. um so they're waiting and kramer's explaining why they want to see michael jordan because elaine doesn't really care and he's like he, he's gonna do one of those 360 jumps and then he kind of shows her by by juking around and in classic two sizes too small clothing kramer style spins around and smashes into 12 <laughs> aluminum trash cans on the side of a new york street <laughs> yes air, and, and i his air dribbling form looks like stanley in the episode of the office where they play basketball yeah. and i and i also want to point out that and and i appreciated this uh uh, and I'll say, wait, so when, so Elaine comes to meet at the corner and Kramer says to her, when she gets out of a cab, how much do you make? <laughs> Which is funny in part because one of the advertisements in this new age, uh, that I was watching during the episode was an, an ad for Uber Black, which says business in the front, business in the back. So indeed, how much do you make? <laughs> Cause if oh you pay more God. money, you don't have to see the Uber Black episodes in the, in the thing. But yeah, I mean, those little those little uh i i think in you know injections of humor that are just explaining the world are, are really funny because they're they're funny without the context of of the episode here they're they're light away from the the darkness um and and i think that that's that's kind of another thing that i want to get to with both of you and you kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier um you know, this is a network television show and you didn't have, you didn't have, uh, you know, USA or AMC in the same way you, you do now, but this is dark. I mean, really, or, I mean, uh, George is joking about it, but he says about taking the limo, they can't kill us. 
and he's talking to his mother on the phone immediately in the limo and he says nobody died I mean, these are kind of asides, but there's a lot of darkness here. And I, I think that you know, George's character, especially from what I understand, dwells in this a lot. I mean, he's still living at home as, as, as a, you know, an older, older male, I think, by normal standards and, and seems to, to, to represent a lot of that. But I think on the whole, it is, you know, in some ways, even a plotless show, it, it speaks to kind of the aimlessness of sometimes the human condition, which... As someone who doesn't watch a lot of humor, maybe I'm going to watch more now. Maybe that's comforting. But do you, do you too, as, as people who watch it more, do you think that that comes out? Do you think that's kind of shocking in, in terms of network television at the time? I don't know that I can really speak to network television at the time because neither of us had been born when this episode aired. Yeah, well, everybody who was born, at, you know, people, people, I, mean, I was age, close. Even if- I was on the way. Even even if people our age who who are not actually born when this when this happened uh, will claim it as their own, as we've discussed before on the podcast. So I'm allowing sure. you to to exercise that privilege. Well, I just don't know that I have enough other context in the '90s. Like I I would claim Seinfeld. But I don't know that I would claim like Becker. I don't know Becker. So like I can't I can't really compare. Yeah. I don't know. I've seen maybe a couple episodes of Frasier. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I don't. I don't. I mean, I, I get how you feel about that. Um, it does seem like it was pretty it's, dark. It's, it's, it's interesting. Not a, yeah. It's not Modern Family. I mean, that's <laughs> kind of the leading. That's sure. the leading uh, thing that's on network well, TV right now. And is This Is Us good? Place Good Place is funny, right? I mean, This Is Us is pretty heavy. Okay, I I don't know. I think Good Place is the funny one, right? I mean, well, the, this that is us is not a comedy. This is us is very much uh, a network that. drama. Yeah. Well, I didn't know that. I, I think I'm, I'm thinking of the Good Place. Sorry. Oh. Oh. Yeah. 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 I think. I mean, I think that darkness that you're bringing up is is relevant, kind of back to what what Sean was saying. I think a lot of people um kind of refer to Seinfeld as a as a first of its kind in the sense that it was, it was one of the first, as I understand it, one of the first popular TV shows, uh, one of the first popular sitcoms that was kind of about shitty people. Like every kind of show before that, um, the, the main characters were the protagonists and Mm -hmm. Seinfeld was the first show where you're kind of just watching shitty people live their lives. And as John said, you kind of take it to the extreme with it's always sunny where they're really shitty, (laughs) But it, it really kind of was this this formula breaker, and I think some of that is probably some of that that darkness that you don't have in a traditional like family oriented sitcom. Now, do you think compared to so with with these characters also, there's not really a story arc. There's not a resolution at the end of the show where there's a thumbs up, thumbs down on if they're good or bad. Do you think uh, that, that well? Oh, <laughs> I, 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 spoiler my, alert. <laughs> There is absolutely one of those. Yeah. Not very popular, but there was one, and it's, yeah. But but if you, okay, maybe the very last episode aside, in general, there is not that kind of, there's not that kind of webbing between everything, as opposed to, you know, what have we discussed on here before? We've we've uh, discussed Mad Men, uh, which is has that anti-hero character who is sort of the protagonist, but sort of not. You're, you know, sometimes you're not sympathetic to Todd Draper well, or Walter if I, White. If I can, if I can be my middle school English teachers for a second, protagonist is not a good character. Protagonist is sure. just the person who moves the plot along. I do think the point that there's technically not really a protagonist of Seinfeld is valid because 
from episode to episode, there isn't really a plot through. There are a couple things that arc through a few episodes, but there's never, uh, until the very end of the show, there's never, like, a connecting tissue that runs through the entire show in terms of plot the way there is for Mad Men or The Sopranos, or even Mm -hmm. for The Wire, which definitely has strong connective tissue beside... uh, despite being kind of an anthology show where they focus on different aspects every season. Um, but your your point about The Good Place, I think, is really interesting because The Good Place is not like other things that are on network television right now. It's not quite so dark as this. It's not, you know, the imminent danger of mistaken identity meeting up with neo-Nazis with guns. But The Good Place is kind of breaking the mold by having really weighty existential philosophical stuff woven into its plot and themes in a way that I find really fascinating. I love that show. Um, Mm -hmm. And and so I hadn't, I hadn't thought of the connection between something like this episode and a show like the good place, but I I do actually now think it's there. And so that's kind of neat. Yeah, I I think that that's and I'd have to watch more episodes, but I think in general that this is the the coaching tree in some ways from from this. Mm-hmm. And in some instances quite quite literally. I mean, Veep and Curb Your Enthusiasm, I think for for people more our age have been really impactful. Um Veep Veep especially um and and definitely in the sense of and I haven't watched any episode of Veep. I know I need to do that, but uh, reading how it's written about and how Julia Louis-Dreyfus has talked about is sometimes it, it hits a little too too close to home. And I think that maybe their most recent season or, or after the 2016 election, they kind of had to go back to the drawing board a little bit um, just because dealing with ineptitude, uh, it does hit too close to, to home here. Um, but I, I think that, yeah, I think that there are a lot of um, connections with what we're seeing now. And I, I hadn't thought before about that, the anti-hero character, these these shitty people that, that Max points out. Um, we don't have to have a, a hero anymore for, for our good TV shows. There doesn't have to be a Magnum mm-hmm. P.I. Yes, Max. Well, the ironic thing about this episode also is in most of the episodes, like, they're blatantly kind of doing something shitty. And this is, I think, I, I don't know if it's one of the few... But it certainly kind of stands out in the sense that you you kind of do feel bad for them. Like there's there's some clear bad guys in the episode that aren't the four main characters. Now at the same time, right. they chose to kind of steal a limo at the beginning, so they wouldn't have been into this mess without doing that. But they're not like the the blatant bad characters in this episode. Yeah, like co opting co opting the limo of someone who didn't make it onto the flight to where they're going is supposed to be a victimless crime. Like, there shouldn't be any bad outcome. You know, you would expect the bad outcome of that to be them getting found out and getting kicked out of the limo. Like, it definitely escalates a lot in a way that, you know, is out of their control. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I guess that is kind of most Seinfeld episodes. Yeah. Hmm. And, and there's, there's a, there's a question in that is like, if you do, if you do a bad thing, if you plant that seed, are you, are you necessarily 
responsible for all the branches that come out of it. And maybe that's not a great yeah. analogy because in this situation, uh, you know, you're just kind of you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, but you kind of knew going in that you were you were you knew it was the wrong place going in. You didn't know it was going to be the, the wrong time. Right. Well, we'll so, have you watch the episode where where Jerry finds a, a local restaurant that sells a variety of foods and it's run by a Pakistani gentleman. And Jerry notices there's not many customers, so he suggests to the owner that he just serve Pakistani food and be more authentic. Um, <laughs> oh, no. You could guess where that leads. It eventually leads to the owner being deported. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Oh, so no. similar, right? Victimless crimes, not always so victimless. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, and at the, yeah, the end of the day, that the things that I wrote down that I enjoyed most about this is, is being able to, to look back on maybe simpler times. I'd note that, uh, for the, the whole episode, Jerry and George are both wearing lovely scarves, something that I don't think is as appreciated as much now, and, and nice, nice coats. Um, and then also, they have a very nice exchange about, the difficulties of hotel beds and George cannot run from the madness they're in because he pulled his hamstring trying to kick out the sheets on a hotel bed because they're tucked in too tightly. Uh, and I think this is particularly important for, for Sean and I, as we'll have to deal with hotel beds very soon. So, I mean, this is the stuff, <laughs> these, the, it's not even necessarily humorous. I mean, you laugh at it because it's so relatable. You can't, I hope not. Uh, I hope you can't relate to the, the being mistaken for a neo-Nazi, but you know, the, the bones of the show are very relatable in a way that, you know, the things of today, you know, your offices and your parks and recs that are just so, at least for me, so silly all the time that it's harder to relate. But I can certainly relate to these, you know, common things that people deal with, you know, kind of uh, mistaken encounters with, with people. Um, you know, a, a comment maybe offhandedly to someone that is interpreted in a way or maybe rightly as, as being pretty, pretty offensive and hurtful. Um, and, and I think that, you know, a show that gets to that while also being just absurd enough that it, it's not, it's not, it's still humorous. I think that's, that's important. I think it's good that it exists. Yep. I, I, I agree. All right, any parting thoughts before we move on? Um, just speaking of victimless crimes, I want to get this out of the way. Max, are you drinking a, a grape Fanta? No, I'm drinking a blueberry lemonade seltzer water. Okay, well, that, yeah, that's... It does look yeah. like a grape Fanta. Why would that be a victimless crime? It wouldn't, because I was offended by it. <laughs> 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 okay on that note i think we should wrap up and say uh go go watch the limo if you haven't seen it uh season three of seinfeld and it's streaming on hulu i'm sure it's available somewhere uh perhaps through extra legal means but if you are gonna try to scam your way into watching some free tv beware you might wind up being mistaken for a neo-nazi who knows um okay so we'll move on now as we do to Pierce is Sorry. Uh, what is on the apology docket today? Well, I've had this one on there for, for a while, and, and I think it's particularly uh, pertinent to this episode. Uh, because, you know, there was a time in the past where network TV was was still kind of the, the thing to do. I think even through, you know, the mid-2000s until you kind of had this explosion of... of 
uh, Mad Men, uh, well, a bunch of AMC shows, Breaking Bad, things on those, not HBO, so you didn't have to pay extra for it in your cable package, but part of that normal cable. Mm-hmm. But there was a time before that. Um, and I remember some shows that, that, that I watched. You know, there was House, which I think a lot of people watched and, and that was fun. But there are also some shows that were, were regrettable and I, I do want to be able to, to, to apologize for that. Um, I, I think I've, I think I've worked it out of myself at this point, but I'll take you back to 2004, 2005. I believe I was, I was 13. And there was some really, really great marketing for a new show on, on ABC. And so what I'm apologizing for this week um, is watching the ABC drama, comedy, mystery slash soap opera's first season, which is Desperate Housewives. Uh, I watched the entire first season live of Desperate Housewives. Can't recall what happened. I think I know why I watched it in some ways. Uh, it was the marketing. But you know what? That was a really is poor that what use we're of time. It now the marketing. <laughs> I think it was. Yeah, I think that it was the marketing. Um, is that Eva Longoria's nickname? Uh, no, well, I think the the whole. Well, okay. Well, maybe maybe not. It wasn't maybe marketed as much towards a uh, uh, you know college admissions scandal, darling. Well, second second <laughs> darling Felicity Huffman. But yeah, it was like this is a great cast, but also this is a sultry show. You should watch it. And as a thirteen slash fourteen year old male, I I was like, yeah, I'll watch this. This is this is this is on network TV. This is fine. Um, but yeah, that was that was not a go- good cultural touch point. I think a lot of people watched it. I'm sure if I looked at the first season, there were, you know, is a strong cast. A lot of people were watching it, but I couldn't. It's not stayed in the cultural mind in the same way that. You know other television programs that were on then and and since then have been so uh yeah uh, i'm sorry for watching a whole season of desperate housewives to the detriment of i'm sure my homework man that's uh that's a strong apology i'm glad you had that one for today yeah. uh, so we'll close the show as we do with a big idea from pop culture and you mentioned something from the episode about uh george and jerry wearing nice scarves and speaking of television shows where shitty people wear uh, excellent scarves, uh, Emily and I have been watching this show on Showtime called The Loudest Voice. Oh. It is a miniseries uh, that uh, follows the story of Fox News. And it's helmed by Russell Crowe in a fat suit playing Roger Ailes. And he's a horrible, vile scumbag who started easily the most damaging media organization that's existed in our or our parents' lifetimes and uh, was a vile sexual harasser and abuser, just an all-around scumbag. Uh, Scarf Game, A double plus. Some really great kind of collegey green and white striped scarves. Just so good. And in a weird turn, Seth MacFarlane is in the cast playing like Fox News's PR guy. It's weird. It's that takes me out of the show. Uh, and then uh, a blustery scarf wearing fat Russell Crowe uh, saying horrible things about how Barack Obama hates America brings me right back. 
so it's been interesting. It's like a six episode miniseries. So if you uh, if you have planted the right seeds to grow a money tree and can afford Showtime, uh, mm-hmm. it's worth checking out. Yeah, and Roger Ailes must be really f- must have been really fat because Russell Crowe is already pretty fat without a fat suit. <laughs> I ha- I That's... have on multiple I will say I have on multiple occasions while watching the show wondered like what are the odds that Russell Crowe fast forwarded 30 years will look like Russell Crowe portraying Roger Ailes. And the the answer is I think it's not a 0% chance. Well, you know, I'm I'm not going to here to disparage Russell Crowe for for living his his life. Um, you know, I think That's he's fair I think he's I think he's doing just fine. Um, but does but does look a little bit different from uh, what's that character? Maximus Decimus Meridius. Oh wow, that's a podcast and, callback. Woo! Yeah, and that's uh, yeah, that's that's how you I'm, end a fucking podcast. Yeah, I'm, I'm good, guys. <laughs> I'm good to go. Um, yeah, well, on that note, that is the end of the show. Uh, you can find us on Facebook or Twitter at Pretty Okay Pod or at our home on the web www.prettyokaypod.com. You can also subscribe to our show feed on your device and podcast app of choice. If you do that. Please do us a favor, leave a rating, review, comment, that sort of thing. Or if you have a friend who you think might uh, like what we're putting out, tell them about the show. We would love to share what we're doing with them as well. We'll be back again next week, as always, to talk about something else. Until then, I'm Sean. I'm Pierce. I'm Max. Thanks for listening. Back. <laughs>